message made no fucking sense. Which one? Um... <laughs> I sent a lot of messages which make no fucking sense. I literally deleted a message earlier because I was like, that makes no sense. Why have I sent that? That doesn't, That's just not um... words. I've just typed non-words. Yeah. Uh, no worries, you there all week. Even though I said I was going away for the weekend. That's already that confusing, number one. Can I squeeze you in? Friday, Saturday, coming home back Sunday. Free afternoon, question mark. What? What does that mean in reference to that? Okay, so, no worries, you there all week was my mistake, weekend. Okay. Um, or can I squeeze you in? And then you were like, Friday, Saturday, coming back Sunday. So I was asking if you were free Sunday afternoon. But then I was like, Sunday afternoon, and you are like, can't go fam over. That's yeah, why I was so confused. Yeah, because I, I realised, like, midway through my sex, like, oh yeah, I can't do Sunday afternoon, I'm busy. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? Like, Because I was like, okay, I'll interpret this. Yeah. Um, I only use half words. People know what I mean. You figured it out. Didn't you? Sort of. <laughs> I mean, we didn't meet. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was, was like, the intention. I, was just of... like, I feel like Graham will message me when he wants to see me. Like, if you... That's what I do with everybody. Yeah. Like... I get very confused when people reach out. don't know if you'll judge me if you just pour it do you need it to brew no, longer no, I don't know how you feel it depends on like, I didn't really equate how much coffee I put into it oh I never do Brett so always I, measures it and I, I'm like yeah I, I do like a scoop and then another scoop and then I'm like did I put in four last time or did I put in three last time last time was good I wish I could remember uh, and yeah I just go from there but welcome back to the podcast yeah yeah third time yes that's yeah. why I was, yeah, we saw that a while ago, you were like, oh, it's been ages, and I was like, has? Because I just feel like it hasn't been. No, it seems like really, like, soon ago that you were here. But you were here with Brett last time. But then we're also friends, so I come here a lot, so that confuses me. I don't commit that often. I think I'm yours more than you're at mine. Probs, yeah. Well, I see you. I think we I, meet, think, we I, mean, I just town, see you, but... and I equate that to yeah. we spend time together. We go out for coffee a lot. Yeah, which we need to stop doing, me and Brett were saying. Why? Because I think we worked out that we spend outrageous amounts of money on... Yeah, but you go out for coffee more than me. Yes. Considering got... the amount I like coffee, you're out for coffee all way the... more. All the time. And you always buy pastries. Not always. Or a cake. Not always. Most of the time. Every time I'm there, one of you yeah. has a pastry or a cake. Or have had a pastry or a cake. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you need to pull back. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I, I, Brett was like, oh we need to stop And I was like, yeah, I know, you're the one that keeps suggesting it <laughs> I'll just stop offering to meet you in town Does that mean we're... Well, no, it just means I'll come to your house Oh, okay, that's fine, yeah, yeah Or oh, well, we can come here Yeah. Although yeah. I think I just annoyed some students Because I think I stole a car parking space Like four of them got into this car And I was like Okay, and they just sat in the car for a while And I was like, you need to move off Because you've parked that terribly for one It's the space opposite your, like that little tiny bay opposite your house. Oh, the two-hour bay, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. So, they were just sitting in a car and I was like, excuse me, I need to be somewhere. So. Yeah. There's a lot of them about at the moment. I know. I don't know if I like it or not. I'm... I kind of got a bit reminiscent about it today, but then I was like, eh. I'm not one of these people who hate students. Oh, no. Like, no, 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 absolutely not. Having lived between 
two sets of students. Which we can hear both of right now. Which you, yeah, definitely pick up audio of either music, shouting, or whatever, for five plus years. I don't care. And I don't even care about the inconvenience. Like like at the weekend, when they all moved in, and you could not get down Calhoun Road. Like, mm. You could not move, you could not drive. It took 20 minutes to get from the Pie Wipe, which is a five-minute drive away, yeah. to get to my house. Yeah, yeah. None of that bothers me. It's just the attitude. <laughs> mm. But then I don't feel like... I, it's, maybe it's that old like reminiscent thing where you don't feel like you had that attitude, but at the same time, you probably definitely had the attitude of them. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think yeah. that's what annoys me about it. That I think I was probably that arrogant and that stupid and that annoying. That I'm like, why, why do I now have to listen to them being stupid and arrogant and annoying? Yeah. It's an increasingly unusual behaviour. What? Just like weird people doing weird things. But then I think a lot of mob mentality goes into freshers. Mm. Like, you're going to do things which you wouldn't do on a regular uni week. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of peer pressure. I think there's peer pressure for the whole, like, uni year. You like, think? Yeah, because I think it, well, it depends on what niches you belong to, I think. Because I think it, I think if you're someone who goes, right, okay, I'm going to join this chill society that meets and is just chill, like... <laughs> I'd love it. A society which is just called the chill society. The chill. No, but you know, like a society that, that like, an idea. <laughs> either an academic society which are more like relaxed because they're focused on like the academic side of things, or yeah. you join one that's just like, like film society or anime society or gaming society, where it's like there's things going on every week, but it's not not like let's go get wrecked in town. Oh, you mean like sports societies? Yeah, but I don't want to say that because I know some sports societies are chill. See, I've, most... ne- I've never experienced a chill sports. Every sports society, like regardless of game, frisbee, rugby, football, everything, every single one of them has been super intense. And that's what I mean. Like, and then it also depends on like what friends you make. Because then if you're not, even if you don't belong to a sports and so- sports and society, if you have a bunch of friends that love to go out every week and love to go to the sports and society event and whatever, you yes, get yeah. that like mob mentality for the entire year. Mob like, mentality genuinely scares me. Mm. Like, as a thing within society, mm. it terrifies me. I think that's another thing that bothers me about it. It's like today, they were doing some weird thing outside the uni building, the, um, one of many, use word Charlotte, the library. Yeah. Uh, opposite, you know, that little alleyway between Engineshed and the library. Yeah. But it was weird, like, I think someone was advertising something in a really bizarre way. But it was really, like, a bit like what you were saying, it was like really culty. Yeah. It was really like they were all wearing like red jumpsuits, and they all had these weird saying phrases and sayings and things on them. Okay. Um, and then there was a guy dressed as a monkey riding a tiny bicycle. See, I kind of like that. That's like my kind of weird. Weirder to me is when you get like overly helpful, like sports and societies people mm. who want to help you move. Yeah. But I'm, I, I don't know. Friendship scares me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. I think you do get people be like. I is feel it? like now I wouldn't share as much as I do with people when I did my first move into uni. I mean, is it shocking I didn't join a society? No. No. I made friends. I wanted to join. The only societies, the most annoying thing about Lincoln was the only sports I wanted to join didn't happen in Lincoln, so you had to pay extra money to get bosses. Yeah, that's just stupid. So it was weird that when I got here, when I started, there wasn't a swimming society. Alright. Um, and then when they started one, they didn't travel to Yarborough, which would make sense. They travelled to, like, somewhere way outside of Lincoln to go and, like, train. And I was like... Lincoln, Lincoln doesn't have a swimming pool, does it? Yeah, well, or Yarborough has a big swimming pool. No, I mean, like, the uni doesn't have a no. swimming pool. No, 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 Which no. is weird. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Considering it has a gym. Yeah, yeah. 
And perfect enough space for it. Yeah. yeah, so you had to travel. And then, I can't remember what else it was that I wanted to join, but they were like, oh, you have to pay extra money to travel. But then even, like, rugby and that, they had to pay extra money to travel because they had yeah. to travel to... It was weird. But then I joined Anime Society mm-hmm. through Brett and Gaming <laughs> Society. It sounds like you just, like, ripped Brett into you. Through Brett. Um, <laughs> and... They're the only societies I really went to, like, consistently. I think our cast kind of, like... I don't I don't want to say it favoured people who think they're edgy, but it definitely favours people who think they're edgy. It was called... It wasn't called photography, it was called Contemporary Lens Media. That's, yeah, that, well, that's that, the like... thing. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't media production, and it wasn't photography. It was Contemporary Lens Media. So, automatically, you... Regardless of where you went to or not, you looked down on everyone from media production and everyone from photography, because you were like, well, they're not doing our level you know Mm. they're not like even though they were doing better work at times then i think that's a different but then i think i don't think that's just isolated to that like we used to absolutely rip into this boy who did sports science who lived in our building um and then when i met my other friend we absolutely ripped into him for doing drama we were like oh that's not even why have you gone to uni to do that there's no point but then yeah like in terms of our cast our cast was like the worst for, for, like, job career aspects. Mm. I mean, production at least gives you some realm of how to work in TV and something yeah. like that. Ours doesn't. Like, ours just... Ours doesn't to the point of they don't do the course anymore. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, cool. So you, you spend three years doing it and then nothing. And then, But there was just this air of pretension with it all, which completely suited us all. Because that's why we were there. Yeah. <laughs> to be better than everyone else. <laughs> Also, it also worries me, and this is going to make me sound like the oldest man ever, that 19-year-olds look like 12-year-olds. Oh, no, see, I didn't think that. I drove past McDonald's late yeah. night. Mm. So it was like, it must have been like a night last week or something. Mm. And there was a bunch of people, and they must have been like 18, 19. Mm. They, all just, they all look like 12-year-olds to me. See, we... And I realise that I'm old, but... <laughs> no, well, see, we avoid, we normally avoid going out on Freshers' Week. After, like, the first year of leaving uni, because yeah. then you look back and you're like, oh, everyone looks like their child. They look like a child. I feel like it's creepy if I went on Freshers' Week now. Maybe maybe the age difference now, because they are eight, Some of them are just 18. Because, like, some of them are just 18, and I'm nearly 30. Mm. I, I feel like that's a creepy situation. Mm. But at the same time, I know people who would date them. Oh, girl. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm thinking about. And I'm it. like, I'm just like, I don't. Yeah, uh, but is it creepy? The thing is, what, what I love is the the evolution of like between now and next week. So, like, you went out tonight, right? Yeah. You see that like, girls wearing like super fancy outfits, jewelry, like really oh, yeah. super high heels, and the, next week they'll all be wearing Primark bought stuff. Like, not saying it's all good, but like Primark bought stuff, flats, um, and they'll be like wearing basic stuff, and there they'll be is like a gradual go, decline. Yeah. yeah. Especially, like, because, yeah, so, like, the way I'd put it is, like, this week, Monday, Tuesday, is prom. Yeah. Right? Everyone's prepped. Everyone yeah. wants to look their best. Yeah, They'll yeah. be in their finery. They've not done laundry yet. Yeah. They've come with laundry from home. Mm. Which basically means everything's pressed. Yeah. Is the other way. And by midweek, because there'll be one of the nights of the week where they just have to wear a t-shirt. Yeah. Like, something Always. they can wreck. Like, yeah, yeah. destroy or something. And then by the end of the week, they'll not have any clean clothes. Yeah, and then that's when the panic sets in. And that's why they go to Primark. Yeah. you don't do laundry. You just buy more clothes. 
Well, see, I did the thing. I mean, I, I didn't because I, I, I knew how to do. Yeah, I was going to say I was the exact same. <laughs> but then it was the same thing. It was like you. So we had this like building. Yeah. Um, any any students that do listen to this, the the place that I went, I live, still exists. We had this like building that had laundry, laundry like um, two washers, two dryers. Were you right. in Pouts? No, no, no. no Brayford Court. Oh, okay. I wanted to be in Brayford Court. I wasn't allowed. Oh. Because it was full. Oh, okay. I ended so, up in Junction and then ended up paying more rent. Yeah, I was going to say, I put down I put down for courts, paths, and something else. See, I don't want to be in court. But yeah, I put down for courts, paths, something else, and I got this letter saying, like, you haven't got any of these, you're in Brayford Court. And I was like, so distraught, like, oh my god, I'm not going to know anyone. Ah. Um, and then, yeah, so, but like, I literally after like three days, just like, right, okay, I need to do some washing. Yep. Like... Because I was like, not in loads of washing, but I was like, that was a good time. If I mess up this loads of washing, I have time. Yeah. It's fine. And I used to do washing at home. Mum yeah. would be like, I'll oh, put the washing machine on me for me, hang the laundry out, like, put things on the dryer. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I went to the... What? <laughs> the pot was just bubbling. <laughs> um, went to the laundry room, and there was like a guy who was like... Bashing was like the washing machine, like, oh, no, that's not gonna work. And I was like, What What have you like told me through what you've done? And he was like, Oh, so I uh, like I've just put on washing in there and tried to press a go button. And I was like, You need tokens for it to make it go, um, which they explained to us when we moved in if you were listening. Um, and you need to put like fabric powder, yeah. at least fabric powder, <laughs> maybe some some fabric softener in there as well. Yeah. What? Oh my god! But just go, go to the place. They give you some tokens. You have to buy them. Come back. It's fine. Like it's, it's, it's gonna be fine. Oh okay. And then I just, I was absolutely fine. But then, yeah, there's people that I knew that just like didn't know how. Oh yeah, there's a level of despair when you go to meet other people who are your age and don't know how to do things. Yeah. But at the same time, like I don't know if that's. I know, like now, our age, that seems like the worst thing in the world. But then when you think of like people who have been 18 who probably never had to look after themselves, it's like, yeah, okay, I could see how you've ended up in this situation. Mm. You're going to learn fast. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something I could cook, I could do laundry and stuff, but I still think there was an element of growing up that happens yeah. that is just thrust upon you. Like, um, I remember two nights in, a bunch of my friends took a bunch of drugs, yeah. um, and I'd never had to deal with that at home because all my friends have been quite like... Like, if they had done drugs, they'd been like, they know what to do and whatever, like that. They'd never, like, this girl could barely like, stand up, and I ended up having to, like, carry her home. Yeah. Um, on my, like, second week, I think my drink got spiked. I ended up running off in town, and I don't know where I ended up, and someone was finding me and taking yeah. me home. Like, it's like, stuff like that that you have to deal with that you're like, oh, like, shit. <laughs> That's... There is a level of. Da- this, this is why parents worry. Mm. This is the exact reason why parents are so kind of sad or worried when people go away to uni <laughs> and you're there like no it'll be fine it'll be fine yeah don't worry about it but the thing is like, I mean some... it was fine <laughs> <laughs> but it's not for everybody you know? yeah 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 no no but then yeah people say to me oh you know I've just actually weirdly been invited back to do an alumni event mm. um, for psychology nice and it's like your questions you always get are like your obvious ones when you're like le- like oh what was it like like when you graduated and you left uni and I was like you just you just got to deal with it. It's a bit like moving into uni. It's exactly the same feeling. If you move in and everything feels so scary and terrifying, and then you just handle it, and it's exactly the same leaving uni. You leave uni. Most people have to move back home because they can't afford to live. Yeah. And then you just deal with whatever you you just deal with whatever happens. Like you have to manage it. Like yeah, I don't know. Like 
I I never felt that anxiety. I like, didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't feel the anxiety leaving uni. I didn't feel the anxiety going to uni. I, I felt the anxiety going to uni. The only thing I was concerned about when going to uni was because I'm small town. It's small town life and mm. all that kind of stuff. My like my, I, but it was the same concern I had when I went to college, mm. which was when you're in GCSE. Obviously, you're in your you're in your class or whatever. Mm. My top thing was art. I was mm. one of two people who were at the top of the art class mm. and that was well established mm. that was like five years who does art mm. it's these two and I was like cool and then in my head I was like hang on a minute I'm going to go to a college where there's people from every single school which means every single school has those two people mm. in that class Yeah. so all of a sudden I'm like oh shit there's a competitive edge to this mm. and I'm going to go and there's going to be people who are better at this than me and that concerned me. Mm. Like, not the change of environment, not the change yeah, yeah. of classes. Just that level of, ooh, I might not be the best anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I came to uni, I was like, ah, oh, I'm going through this all again. It's happening again! <laughs> no, see, oh, I like, Whereas now, I'm like, I know I'm not the best. <laughs> I'm just, like, they're going, yeah, people are good. <laughs> all my friendship group changed, like, I think it's changing rapidly. Like, so it was different for me. So I went to the sixth form that I was at school. Like, the mm. school had a sixth form, and the sixth form that we had was considered to be, like, good. Yeah. So, like, a lot of us stayed. Um, but, like, my, yeah, my friendship group changed like, rapidly in sixth form. Like, half of my friends ended up going to uni. Yeah. Um, and then the ones that, like, a bunch of them won results. They didn't get the results they wanted and ended up going through clearing. And, like, it was intense yeah. whereas i just did okay and i got into the uni that i wanted and everything was great so that bit didn't really like the whole moving to sixth form didn't really bother me mm. and the whole moving from like sixth form it was a whole moving i think from sixth form to uni in the sense of like living on my own right because even though i was moving in with like a bunch of different girls i never really got on with girls that well so i was like oh god i'm gonna live with four girls what if i hate them um it's a common thing though yeah, but however, one of them is now my best friend, so, you know, still now. So <laughs> I always felt like, oh, okay, maybe that's a good thing for me. That's a weird, it's a weird, like, I don't know, like a weird commonality of, especially female houses, mm. of getting groups of women together and them all not getting along. Well, it happened in the end. Like, yeah. my second year of uni, we all, well, every, yeah. It all just went tits up. Yeah. There were six of us because we were like, "Oh yeah, four was great, so let's move to six. Yeah. Um, and it was hell. It was hell on earth. It got a real hazing, like bullying level to yeah. one of my friends, and it was grim. And then I ended up moving out and living with just one guy in my third year. I feel like because it's the same with like guys' houses. Of it can either go really well or it can go really badly. Mm. Like I know some people who have. They lived in houses with like four or five guys, and they are thick as thieves. Like mm. they've never been closer to any other people in their lives. Mm. And then I know other ones who are like, no, it was the worst experience. It brings out the worst in people. I always feel like mixed houses are the best. Yes, hundred percent. Because it just it generates a balance, mm. and it's like, yeah, there's a safety aspect to being around people who are the same as you, mm. but having that that counteract. Well, what allows I think is that. so annoying is that they don't. But this is the thing, right? So I was like, I want to be in a mixed, yeah. like, house. And at court, they said that in courts, you would be in, like, a mixed accommodation. Yeah. I think some of Pab's was mixed accommodation as well. Mine was mixed. But a couple of the ones, Brave Court being one of them, when they put first years in, they don't mix them. That's weird. The same sex. So, like, we didn't get the choice, really, to, yeah. to, like, have that. Which I totally agree with. I think mixed houses do 
so much better and makes like groups do so much better. Junction was really interesting. Like I moved into Junction basically like a month before everyone else. Oh right, yeah. Because it was available. Mm. I was paying for it. And I was like, well I'm gonna go use it then. Mm. And I know I got a job through my brother mm. working at uh what was Scream on the Brayford. Mm. And I was like, cool, I can spend a month before Freshers working and just go and do that. And mm. that, that'll be my month. And my flat was made up of, there was, I think there was like seven of us altogether. Yeah, they're big flats, aren't they? Some of the ones in Junction. Two of them were in their second year. Mm. They, they weren't freshers. They were just there to be there kind of thing. And one of them was an international student. And yeah. it was like, yeah, this is a nice, like weirdly diverse flat we have going on. Mm. And that created, it was nice. Yeah, see, I don't understand the, like, the mentality of, oh, it has to just be freshers and it has to just be women or men or yeah. like whatever. It just makes it worse. Like... So, yeah, but anyway, like, my first year was great, second year was trash, third year was was good, like, I liked being in a house. I liked being in my own house and being in charge of everything myself, which was good, but, yeah, like, it just, I don't know, yeah, fresh as week. I feel like, I don't know, I've discussed uni many times on this podcast. Mm. I don't feel like I'd do uni again. Mm. If I could go back and not do it, I would. I am the same. I mean, I, it, not in the sense of like the people I met, because mm. I made great friends. Obviously, I met my partner at the time mm. it was for many years, and it's like, yeah, I, that bit's fine. The rest of it can fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> like, no, no, I totally. This is another thing. Like, I kind of want to. Like, I really hope nobody sees it, who see this is going to go to the alumni event. But like, I'm the same. Brett always yeah. goes, "Oh no, I can't believe you'd say that." But like, I'm. I'm the same in the sense of I think there were lots of things I loved, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. Of, like all my best friends have come out of it. Mm-hmm. Really, like um, you know, I've still got friends I'm close with back at my mum's home. But like I've still you know that, and then I've got Brett and things. And that's great. And then I came out with a good degree and whatever, and I got a job. So like, yeah. you know, I was probably Takes one of the, the lucky boxes. ones in the sense of like the the trajectory was nice and smooth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'd do it again either. I think I got the choice; I wouldn't do it again. I think that mine comes down to, like, not so much, like, because I can blame, I'll blame Lincoln Uni. Mm. I could blame Lincoln Uni, but I won't, because I feel like my situation would have been exactly the same. So any uni, uni. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like it's an, it's an institution, it's wrong. But I think that's my problem. My problem is with educational institutions and how they're run, mm. rather than the places or the courses or anything I was really like lucky. That. The woman who runs this thing is is... And was the whole time we were at uni, like, go and volunteer, go and do this, go outside, go and do things. Like, it's even though she taught research methods, she's like, psychology isn't all about research, it's about this and so that, it's about the other. Um, a lot of people didn't listen. Um, but I kind of say to people, like, yeah, you can't just do your degree anymore. I mean, I don't think you could ever really just do your degree, but I think a lot of people... 10 years, 15 years ago, actually longer than that now. Yeah, I mean, I was... you, you used to be able to just do a degree... And then everyone would be like, oh, you've done a degree, yeah. that's great. It was, it, like, was an, it was like, it was a novelty in a way. Mm. Like, but yeah, now, like, I think you 100% need to, like, put in maximum effort. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true of anything, though. Like, I think, because this was something I was discussing with somebody. Wow, brain just Good went Good job, completely. 10 out yeah. of 10. It's the old age again to me. <laughs> Slowly decaying the back of my day, like damp cake. Um, <laughs> no, I was discussing with someone the other day, like, the whole idea of... Like, so you obviously uni is a thing, but then you get into like a job or you, you like anything you want to go into, you can't just get certified. 
mm. for anything. No. Within life, you have to do extra things around it. But you don't at school. No. But that's what I mean. Like you go from school where literally yeah. you fill in papers, yeah. you get grades, and like everything's you, fine. You yeah. get like the only thing that I'd say ever challenges you is when you're having to write your personal statement for uni, then, where you have a, to say you've done all this extra stuff. That's a very British thing. Because if you're in the US and you want to get into college, you have to do a bunch of extra. You have stuff. to start early. Yeah, yeah, you have to be like in high school, going, "Cool, I'm gonna join band." Yeah. I'm going to go do this. I'm, I'm going to run go, the radio. I'm yeah. going to do... The... I'm going to get all these extra little things which I can tap into. And so when they get to college, that whole idea of doing extra is already there. Mm. And then that's why they burn out. Because there's no limit in college. There's nothing to go, well, this is where you should stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or this is how many classes you can take. It's like, no, here's one class. Have at it. And that's why people, like, punish themselves and... Same, like, I, I really, 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 really respect the Japanese work, work ethos, like, really. I can't imagine what Japanese uni's like. Uh, yeah, God, I don't, I can't <laughs> imagine. Well, I can, actually, because I watch a lot of anime. You do. Um, so... yeah, but I don't feel like <laughs> but, but, zombie uh, high school. <laughs> no, 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 but my, I watch a lot of life stuff, so okay, a lot of real, real, right, yeah. like, life stuff. Right. So we were watching, um... I've watched all sorts of stuff, but a lot of them, when they talk about students or people at, at, uh, one of the fil- films, one of the Ghibli films, yeah. um, the one of the girls, the sisters of one of the girls, goes like into great depth about how she's been studying in Tokyo. She's been um, doing two jobs on the side. She's been um, like volunteering at their library or something, mm. and she then comes home to help her mum, who's also doing extra course while she's doing her job. Like clean, cook, look after the kit, like the sister and whatever, blah yeah. blah blah blah, and um, the younger sister's like, she's like, she's like, God, do this. This is what it's like. This is what life is like. You've yeah. got to like manage this. And I know that suicide rate is ridiculously high in Japan, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of things wrong with their system. I'm not saying it's great, but like sometimes I do think you hear kids, or you see kids, you see students saying things, and you just think, God, you're so privileged, like. So mm. you're so like, and that's horrid. I don't want to be like you're so privileged. But like, I was so privileged. Like, I was so privileged. <laughs> but then at the same time, a bit like you, I worked for my whole yeah. sit from like thirteen, which is not legal. Like, I'm I'm I worked from like thirteen yeah. to now. I haven't stopped. Like, yeah, I'm the same. I took yeah. breaks in between for like certain things. I took breaks to do my GCSEs. I took breaks to do my A levels. Yeah. Um, I took a break. Um. Like, I went into a job after uni, but then I took a little break afterwards before I started, like, my proper job. Yeah. But, like, there's a lot of people that you just think, oh, God, you never had to do anything. Like, this is... In a way, like, it's like, because I know a lot of people get, like, really frustrated with people who have just, you know, been able to do, like, just their study or that kind of thing. And, like, mm. for a while I had that because it was very much like, cool, what are you guys doing tonight? Oh, we're just going to go do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, all right, I got to work, got to work. It's like, oh, why, yeah. why are you going to work? It's like, because my fees don't cover my housing, yeah. so I'm going to go to work and pay for my rent and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, like, now, there's like, there's like, in a way, like a level of pity I have. Because if I had that life, I'd be so bored. Oh, yeah, 100%. And this is what, this is like the whole thing of like, this is why I feel, just to generalize hugely, I feel like a lot of people have had a rise in like depression. And stuff like that. Are you allowed to generalise? Yeah. Yes, you're in trouble, doesn't I it? I mean, I always generalise. I don't stop. <laughs> I don't generalise. People don't question it. Um, but no, it's just like, I feel like there's a rise in like general society and depression is because people are just bored. And they're not used to being bored. Mm. You know, as, no. as creatures, 
sounds super scientific. We ain't meant to be bored. We're, mm. we're meant to be doing things, meant to be surviving. So when you remove that survive aspect, it's like, what do I do? You know, mm. I'm, sat, I'm sat here doing nothing. That's making me feel sad. But this is also the way society is built, so I'm doing the right thing, but I also feel really sad. Why don't do- I feel fulfilled? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it's yeah. just that internal angst which goes on and on and on. Yeah. So when you see that with students, I'm like, all right, cool. You're going to go to uni. You're going to study. Everything's paid for. You're going to come out the other side. You're going to get a job. And then what? It's like the, I was in the gym the other day, and yeah. I haven't heard it for such a long time. But I heard that Avicii song. Avicii. Um, which is... Um, is that the band who died? Yeah, that's the guy who died. Um, I think it's... But anyway, part of the song is... I can't remember exactly what the song is called. Um, part of the thing is the, it breaks from the music and the woman's talking to a counsellor and she's like, yeah, I feel like you're just going round and round. You go to school, you go to get a job. but um, And they say that it's really living, but all I really feel like I'm doing is dying. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, like, yes. Like, I... <laughs> I heard and I heard this. It was it's old. I feel like yeah, it came yeah. out when we were in uni. I was like, I remember this. Like I remember this feeling. And then I remember that I did it. I just did it anyway. I went along with the yeah. the oh yeah, cowgirl job and I'll do the thing. Yeah. And I was not saying that my my work isn't fulfilling yeah. and I don't feel like I get a lot, I get a lot out of it. I, I genuinely know what I do helps people. Yeah. And that's great. But it doesn't really change the fact that that's really all it is. <laughs> I think this is this is a whole conversation. Like I say, say like so. Is my dad's sixtieth? He has worked his entire life. Mm. He had an apprenticeship when he was very young. Mm-hmm. You know, came out of school, went into an apprenticeship, mm-hmm. worked mm. forever. Mm. For, so as long as I have known him, has worked. He has been retired for like a year, maybe less than a year and a bit. He's bored. Yeah, of course he is. He's, he's just bored, and he's like, "Cool, I need to, I need to do something." And he's like me; he sets projects. Mm. You know, he starts projects and stuff. And then you get people his age who cannot understand essentially the rise of like nihilism in our generation Mm. and we're all sat there going how can you not see it because i mean ignoring geopolitical and all that kind of stuff just in terms of how you structured society which was you get an education you get a job you carry on you make a family you do whatever blah 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 blah. that's not fulfilling as a person Mm. that's just just, that's bullet points Mm. you know you can do that in any situation because people do around the world and we're like well you know why is this none of this fulfilling and they can't see that because all they did to get to their points was work Mm. you know they they had struggle they had that strife yeah yeah. which we're missing because i suppose as well like that's another thing that you miss in the big geopolitical climate of the world which is we've not got anything that's getting in the way of anything no we've not yet <laughs> no not yet maybe that's Brexit. it <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what it is maybe that's our thing but like my so for example right i'm yeah. a, like this was great i realized the other day mom, my mom was talking to me she said oh come come in and she gives me this book and she's like oh look at this and i like read through it and she's like that's your my great aunt um and I was like, okay, cool. So I'm looking through it. It's a recipe book. Yeah. Right. She's written it all herself. Of course. And she was like, oh, that's when you did, like, home economics at school. That's when you did cookery. Like, yeah. you had yeah. proper... That's when, like, boys didn't do it. Yeah. It was just girls that did that. And it was, like, t- teaching a woman how to be a, a woman. Like, yeah. this is what you do in, in your house. She's like, feminists would crawl now if they saw yeah. something like this. Shall I look at the date on it? And it was 1933. Yeah. 
so she was like, oh, I was looking to start with. She was like, I, I didn't realise I didn't realise a date to start with. But she was like, I was looking to see if there's any rationing things in place. Um, and she was like, your great aunt was 10 when she wrote this. Yeah. So they do like cookery, like finishing type things like that that you would have had to do back then when she was 10. And her handwriting was like exquisite. I was like, Mwah! I couldn't have written, Mwah! I couldn't write that like now. Like It's amazing <laughs> the handwriting you can get when there's a cane over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and I know, I know my mum, God, like, God rest her soul, my nana. My nana, my mum was like, my nana was a, was a bitch. Like, she was oh, my hor- mum says the same thing about my grand. My yeah, grand's still she, living. She and, was yeah. horrid. She was like, she was horrid. Yeah. Um, children were seen, not heard. Yeah. Um, your um she she didn't like girls she just didn't like didn't like girls she just didn't see the point of girls like they were just useless in the grand scheme of things that's a general thing yeah that's a general thing with old women yeah women and they had daughters and they didn't know what to do with them just didn't know what to do with a little girl (laughs) and um (laughs) and my auntie although i have to say like she was one of the most like i well just one of the most inspiring women like she she didn't get married until she was 40 never had any children um, she married, genuinely married, I think, because I think back then a lot of women married because they had to. Yeah. I think she genuinely married for love. She got a lot of stick, I think, for being not getting married until she was 40. Um, Me still do now. She did, yeah. She did a lot of, <laughs> like, stuff with her life. You know, she lived quite a small life, but she did a lot of stuff with the life that she could live. Yeah. Because she didn't drive and she didn't do certain things. Um, but, like, mum was talking about this and she was like, then, then they had to go through the war. Like, yeah. they had to go through... World War Two, and, and she's like, "Yeah, Granddad was too young to fight." Yeah. Um. They. She was like, "Hard." I can't remember. If it was my nan's, her mom's side of the family. They got evacuated because they all lived in East London. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh no, it was it was my granddad. Anyway, they all lived like sort of around London area, and it was lots of evacuation and all that. And she was like, you know, sometimes you know, I don't mean to be that woman, but she's like, you forget, you kids forget, like you didn't have to. And she's like, and we didn't. She's like, I didn't have to live that. No. She's like, well, I didn't have to live things like that. She said, but at the time, you know, when I was growing up, it was more. There was a lot of like recessions and lots of like difficulties with things like that. Um, a lots of changes in technology, which meant that constantly people were training to do jobs and then finding their jobs were obsolete. Yeah. You know, because there was constant changes. Like my dad was one of them. He was a screen printer. And then they said, a silk screen printer. And then they basically came out and was like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Like, but that's the thing he trained his whole life to do. Yeah. And he was an amazing artist, but he was like, and don't get me wrong, he like tried to evolve with it all, but it was just that mum said he was just, he spent his whole life, like 20 years of his life doing silk screen printing. And then it was like, oh no, but that's a funk now. We don't do that. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's why the people could draw a lot of comparisons now. And they, I mean, they keep flinging it around by saying like, oh, Labour wants us to relive the 70s. Mm. Like we are living a life very similar to the 70s mm. and 80s. You know, we, we came out of a period where there was huge economic boom. Mm. And then suddenly we were in a recession and then mm. we were in another recession and then jobs were going and mm. all this. And it was like, cool. So we're living a lot of the same bookmarks, but at the same time, we're also hugely comfortable. Mm. You know, I know everybody is, but as a society, we're, we're pretty comfortable, which is why everyone sat looking at themselves. Mm. It's like there's um. so you're a fight club. Red fight club, I've seen it. I mean, either. I've seen it. Okay. So, I mean, fight club. Are we allowed to talk about it? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're not actually farming a fight club. Okay. <laughs> Assume that's okay. okay. There's a buy rule, maybe. You know? <laughs> but like, so like people idolize the book. I mean, it's one of my favorite books. But people idolize um, Tyler Durden, mm. which even though Tyler Durden is essentially just an amalgamation of a person who was created in order to highlight toxic masculinity and a problem with someone being struggling being gay. 
and how that was accepted and all this kind of stuff. So when people are like, yeah, he's like, everything he says is right. It's like, well, no, because those are like the worst aspects and that's, mm. you know, all that kind of thing. But there's a line which he says, which I think connects with our generation so much, which is the, we, the for us, there is no great war. You know, there is no great depression. Mm. Ours is our lives because we were all taught and told that we were going to be superstars and rock stars and all that kind of stuff. And then we're grown up and gone, oh, wait, no, we're not. Mm. And that and that's like a huge realization, but I kind of I like love that line because you like, you sit there and go, yeah, I feel like everybody's realizing that right now. Mm. Like it's not even just our generation, and that's what like when I did my dissertation, I wrote about how we live in a dystopia, mm. and we just don't know it because you wouldn't know it. No, you you'd slowly develop into a dystopia, and then you'd be in it, and then it takes a moment to go, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. We're eating people. <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah and i think that's another thing with the whole you know you mentioned it but it's kind of made me think about it where we're very introspective as a as a kind of race of people yeah. now like a whole like human race of people that's why yeah. we do a lot of like identifying a person you know oh i'm i'm this now so yeah. i not not just sexuality and, and gender and all that jazz but i'll talk about that in a minute um but like um I work this job. Yeah. I earn this much money. I have a partner. You know, other people. You and your partner have been together a long time. Why don't you get married? Because yeah. that is a thing. There is a box for that. And it's like, but the ironic thing is our whole generation is saying, oh, we should get rid of labels. But we seem to be scr- cramming each other into more and more small boxes. Yeah, we're, see, we're a box within a box. Because what we've got is everybody, I, almost every young person I meet goes, labels shouldn't exist, be whoever you want to be. Like, you don't have to, you know, just come out as gay, come out as whatever. We won't judge you. But then by doing that, they're going oh, we're going to make these exclusive events for these people and we're going to do this exclusive thing for this person. And, oh, you don't fit into that box. So, you know, you're, you're a straight white woman with a boyfriend. Why aren't you married yet? And why haven't you had children? Because, you know, the time's... And you're just like, you're literally a paradox. Well, almost a paradox because yeah. you make no sense. Like, from from that kind of going around in a circle of being identifying and whatever yeah. to then coming around into this... I think that's, it's like a lot of it... It comes to as well, like, you get a lot of people saying, oh, you know, why... What so the the general rule is that our generation is more sensitive. Oh yeah, you know that's that's the, the yeah, running yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. Why are you all so sensitive? Why are you so upset about this? Why are you spending so much time looking at how we're labeling things or constricting? It's like because we haven't got anything else to do. Mm. You know, we're sat here going that. You know, and that, when we that's turn, it. the thing is that when we turn to <laughs> turn to people in power and say, you know, it's not okay when someone's racist and xenophobic yeah. and whatever, they're like, and. Yeah. You do something about it. I don't care. Like, because yeah. it's genuinely like politicians yeah. seem to be doing that. Like the other day, they were talking about, oh, they're going to change the way uh, they're going to put a thing in about parking on pavements. I'm not being funny. In the grand scheme of things, parking on pavements isn't a big, big issue. Now, some people out there will go, it is an issue for some people and whatever. But that's not the big question. Like the big thing is, why is racism still a massive issue in like? Football, for example, See, I'm, that's just an example. But well, like, why is racism still so big in the police? I don't know. I love tiny stories like that. So, like the parking on pavement thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, obviously, we're in the middle of the craziest political thing which mm. has ever happened in our lives, yep. right? 
And we're all sat there going, well, this is fucking weird. We're all learning new words. It's like, I didn't know what progeration or prorogation was before this, like, a month yeah. ago. And I'm like, cool, I'm learning about that. I know what a speaker does. I know how they get elected new speaker yeah. and everything like that. And then someone releases a new star. It's like, yeah, they're going to ban parking on pavements. <laughs> and the world explodes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay. It's like the... But- I just want to make a point. So, like, everything happens, and it's like, you forget that the rest of the government is still working. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, there's all these huge issues. Yeah, but there is still a guy working in parking who's like, you know what, we should probably ban this. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the, the Joker, when he's, oh, if you don't stick to the, like, oh, if there's a plan, and yeah. it doesn't go to plan. Nobody then panics if there's a plan. No one panics <laughs> if there's a plan, but if there's not a plan, everyone yeah. goes mad. Like, yeah. it's that, it's, it's exactly that, because then you're like, okay, cool, like, that's fine. Um, me and Brett, we went, so we went to London yeah. this weekend, and um, we went past Westminster, and I was, like, joking, I was like, we get off and, and protest and stuff, and then, like, um, Brett's brothers were like, yeah, God, yeah, God, I wish, you know, there's no point, they're not fucking there, are they? They're not fucking there, you are fucking taking no fucking holiday, and I was like, yeah, I understand, don't get me wrong, I did a lot of debating at school. Yeah. And that shit is tiring. Like, genuinely, like, very emotionally tiring. I don't imagine that they get a huge amount of support from their colleagues, because it is very, like, dog-eat-dog kind of thing. It can be really, really hard. I actually really respect that Scottish Conservative leader who left left recently. Um, I can't think of what her name is. But she left when Boris Johnson said he was going to do Brexit, and she was like, I can't can't handle this anymore. Yeah, I know the story, yeah. And everyone was going on about, oh, it's just because of Brexit. But then she, like, made a this big statement. She was like, I said to my partner and my child that, like, I wouldn't do this to them again. Like, yeah. I wouldn't go... A bit like... Um, oh, yeah, like a bit like yeah. John Burko doing this. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not going to do that to, to them again. Made a promise. And she was like, yeah, this takes a lot. Because it's hard. Like, it's hard to do these things. And, and that's not me saying all these, like, MPs, they should have all this time off. But I'm saying, like, sometimes I think it is... You get this, like... <laughs> it's like people who hate the Queen. Yeah. Oh, we've been paying for the Queen. She doesn't fucking do anything. And you're like, she does actually an intense amount of stuff, and she does a lot to like a lot. She does a lot. She does a lot. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm, I'm not even like someone who agrees with the royal family. I I generally think it needs to be dissolved and the whole cool. whole idea of it. But like, yeah, at the same time, it is that you get to a level of forgetting their people. Mm. It's like that that thing of like I always like. So I love reading uh, like the recent one with David Cameron. Yeah. released his big memoirs and all this kind of stuff. I love reading that stuff. Yeah. I love reading the after Iraq Tony Blair shit. I cool. love reading George Bush and finding out that he does paintings mm. and all this kind of stuff. I love reading it because you just like sat there like, yeah, this is this was the person mm. who was in the press constantly saying all this shit. But at the same time, they were going home and sitting down on a set E and being like... Whew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do forget <laughs> that was people. a bloody day. <laughs> you do forget their people, and I think that sometimes it's really harsh when you hear people saying things because, yeah, you know, from you know, just just briefly going back to the royal family, I won't go on about that because I kind of appreciate them a lot. But essentially, what the royal family are doing is they are dissolving themselves. Yeah. If you look at when uh, she had a diamond jubilee, they looked at what the queen had done in her reign and the amount of country she's given back. Basically, she's given back and said, yeah you're not you don't belong to us anymore like you are that's it like you can go and do your own thing now like we have been this is not right for us to do the amount of resources she's given up the amount of things that she said actually i'm gonna give that to the country then they can make some money off of it which comes back into her and then you've got people like why are they redo buckingham palace and everyone's like because it was actually dangerous like because there was actually like holes in the floor and the yeah. ceiling and all this stuff it was a waste of taxpayers money and you're like 
what? <laughs> like, I feel like... look at the bigger picture, bro. Like, it's not that bad. My whole thing with the Queen is is it's not even so much like the royal family as a as a structure. So it's like the whole. So obviously, to suspend Parliament, Boris Johnson had to talk to the Queen. Yeah, and which is she pointless. she had to say yes and then agree, and then thus she's actually the MP of Britain at the moment during the prorogation, and that that's that's mm. a whole thing. But at the same time, you realise that's fake. Yeah. None of that's real. Yeah, yeah. It's just tradition as it stands. But I feel like the the huge conflict for me is this visual context to everything. It's like the whole Queen's speech thing mm. where she'll give a speech and it'll be like, oh yes, we've had a really tough year and you've all struggled and I know there's lots of cut things and there's a gold chair in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and you sat there like, you can't do this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and in my head I'm just like, this is just such a conflict of symbology and I don't know what to do with this whole situation. Yeah, yeah. And like, if it was just a guy on a set who's like, like Johnny Vegas, I'd happily listen to Johnny <laughs> Vegas give the year-end speech and be like, it's been shit this year. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it's just that symbolism which gets me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can, tell you, and I can understand that. And I think there's people like you who are very apathetic towards, yeah. like, don't really care about the Queen. Yeah. But that is just people who are, like, a- a- actual hate. And you're like, calm yeah. down. Like, things to hate and things are not hate. And, like, that's yeah. not one of them. Like, I think it brings it back to, like, you were saying, like, everyone trying to. I mean, I, I don't think it's everyone trying to box themselves. Because I feel like, logically, as a society, we do that anyway. Yeah. Because as people, Makes sense. we we require it. Mm. We can't get away from it. You know, it's like you give someone a set of stuff, they will organise that stuff. Yeah. Some people will do it in a messy way, and they'll like call it chaos, and they'll be like, yeah, it's because it's fun and it's random. It's like, no, you're still organising it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still playing with the objects. Some people will go really formal. And it's just, that's what we do as creatures, and that's why we've survived yeah, as 100%. creatures. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, so it's like, when we, we take things and we put them in boxes... Essentially, we're widening the box, mm. and that's what all we've done. And I, I find it—I don't know if it's naivety on some people's part to think that you can live without the box mm. and still have society, because you can. No, that's what—that's what society is. It's like you know, I could. So we could get rid of all terms. Mm. We could get rid of all terms. We can make weed legal. We can make all drugs legal. Mm-hmm. We could ban racism to the end of the earth, and we could do everything like that. I'm not going to be able to go out and kill somebody. No. Because then that breaks the structure of society. Yeah. That's And that's still a structure. And it's, yeah, it's good to widen the structure. But you, you, you need to, at some point, accept that you have to live in the system. Mm. Otherwise, you, you just don't live. Mm. And you are back to survival. And lots of systems, this is another people go, oh, but they do live like this. Yeah. Each tribe, insert tribe here, insert community yes. here, insert society here. They live like this. Yeah, that's that's okay because we can live in this big world where lots of people live in different different ways. But that's where you come from where the the chance of where you are born, who you are born to, yeah. who you where you which society you're born into and what happens from there. Like it's a lot of like in a way it's a lot of chances from the day you're born yeah. to get you to the point you are now. Completely. And that's what annoys me about people who kind of sit in this little comfy place and go things need to be different and you're like okay tell me what they need to be and they go this ridiculous thing and you're like okay so I'm going to reason with you and I'm going to tell you why that that you know we're going to try and do as much as we can to make that happen ah, I hate you yeah okay like that's... But that's that's the thing I think people it's people need something to fight mm. always 
that, always. Again, because it's just like I mean, I wrote a thing ages ago, which was about a society which essentially just achieved inner peace. Everything was provided. There was no struggle for anything, so you couldn't complain about any of that. There mm. was no everything like down to race was completely abandoned, and everything was like that. But they watched blood spots. Mm. And it was because they needed something to feel competitive about. But because team spots were all banned, you had to just watch someone die and feel good about being alive because you're not dying. Yeah. And it's that thing of you require conflict conflict to progress. Yeah. And that's the only thing I'm saying today was, you know, to me personally, and it's a detrimental way to live and I don't recommend it, but complacency is the enemy of creativity. Mm. So... As soon as you become complacent, as soon as you accept that you're at a level, you stop. You stop growing as a person. You stop achieving. See, I interestingly, similarly, I went to a poetry event recently, mm. um, and I haven't been writing for ages because I've been exceptionally busy. Yeah, like, and that's not being not complacent. Just no, that's just like life. Constant. As soon as I stopped, not long before this poetry, so I started this new job. I started, finally sort of settled down mm-hmm. in the things I was doing. My brain was like. Here's all those things that you've been doing. I always run down. Like, so my brain suddenly starts going, oh, right, okay, I need to... So in that moment of complacency, that yeah. moment where you go, oh, okay, everything's calmed down, it's all yeah. relaxed and whatever, I go, okay, right, I'm going to actually start. I'm going to crack on. I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to see what I can fit into this. Yeah. And But then again, this is another thing I feel like sometimes some people don't have an outlet no. for that thing. No. Because a lot of things get judged badly. Are gaming uh any other form of poetry like spoken word yeah, um, yeah. rap music you know any kind of music really musicians are always under fire but for something or another you know you get all that like They're just terrible people <laughs> you get like people so then people go oh no I, i'm gonna have to sit and i'll watch like soaps because that's what people do like yeah people who work at nine to five they come home and they eat their dinner well, and they watch a soap you and, like, can't lose entertainment yeah no that's that's that essentially. I mean, that's the great like the thing which everyone says is like obviously TV is the great anesthetizer because it, it just it numbers you. Mm. You know, watch TV, watch a film because you can't lose at it. No, you can't lose at going home and eating a ready meal because you didn't try. Yeah. You already accepted it's going to be crap. Yeah, you know, and it's it, again it becomes that kind of complacency thing. It's like when people get into a job and it might be the job they've wanted their entire life. Yeah, and then a year in they're like got the job I want. I'm working where I want. I'm living how I want. Why am I happy? It's like, are you challenged? Do you find that job easy? Because mm. you've been in it for a year, you've learned everything you do. You're going to have to expand out. Mm. Which again, I think that brings us back to like the uni. It's like, you need to expand out. Mm. Because otherwise studying will just kill you. Yeah. Like everything will just kill you if you just do one thing. Yeah. One girl, <laughs> the best question I ever had at that alumni event was wasn't that scary so when i got the job uh, working at action all right yeah people who use substances wasn't that scary and i was like every day every day you'd come in and be like who's gonna try and kill me today like not not actually try and kill me Would today but like alive? who's gonna come in and shout at me yeah who's gonna forget to pick up their medication and yeah. then give me an angry phone call who's going to oh you know or, or if it is quiet you think okay maybe i should check on them because this is too quiet like I'm a yeah. bit worried about what yeah. so she's like isn't that scary I was like yeah and in the nicest possible way if you're doing psychology you're gonna be working with some of the most broken people in the in the world and like yeah. it's gonna be really hard but at the end of the day and as I always said like at the end of the day when you have those good ones yeah 
or when you have those bad situations that you've managed to fix, you then go, I've completed my job. I was their support worker and I managed to do that thing. That That's what feels good. And then just she was just like, I'm just like, oh, maybe you should get an admin job. Like, I don't know. Like, in the nicest possible way, if things like this are going to scare you, then maybe it's not the thing for yeah. you. It's, you know, People no, saying, oh, you've got to know your limit. Prison must have been so scary. No, actually, it's pretty, pretty regimented. Like, so it's actually quite <laughs> nice. Like, you know when you see like a music video shot in a prison, or like something where they're doing a documentary in a prison, yeah, yeah. they always put like the dark music over the top, and then the, you hear the gates clatter and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I feel like prison would be the comfiest place to be mm-hmm. introduced to ever, because you're entirely aware that everyone else around you is completely on point yeah, yeah. of you not getting hurt. It's like, this is the most comfortable stroll I could possibly well, take. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also because, in a way, when you're a prisoner, you know what's... There is such strict what's right and wrong. Yeah. In a way, there's it's so much defined. tight boxes. And the boxes are so tight, and you can't step out of them because you're in yeah. that same situation. That you're like, this... Like, someone approaches you, and you're like, right, okay, we're going to have a conversation, and then they'll have a conversation with you, and then they'll go on and on, and yeah. then you go, all right, I've got to leave now. And then they can't do anything about it. If they're angry about that, then they've got to be like, oh, okay... Yeah. You know, if they kick off, then you know someone's there to kind of stop you getting killed. Well, that's like the other extreme, isn't it? So if you've got a society which is completely free and open, and then I'd say the, the other side of it, for me, is is the army. You know, mm. you, you enter the army, you are not there to be free. No. You are there to, to be moulded, essentially, mm. to be boxed, to mm. shape, so you fit the same as every other person who's going to be out there, mm. because everything which is made is made to a certain shape and exterior and everything like that, mm. which is why when people come out of the military... Yeah, that's why you got some... They're so veterans. lost. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why, you know, it's because you've taken someone to a complete extreme... And now they're a bit lost, and they don't know what to do because they don't know how to live without the box. Mm. It's like my, like my granddad. So he, what was he? In? He was in the air force or, mm. or the military or one one or the other, and he still shined his shoes mm. till the day he died. Like he would shine his shoes, and he'd put them next to one another and put them next to his bed, and you just see these little glimpses of the box, and you're mm. like, that's comforting. Yeah, because even though you're in a big wall world and where the box is all wobbly and everything's a bit strange, you're like, now I've got this one place. But then, especially about it, that's not even just like people who've been in the military. I think everybody's got routines. Yeah, I think routines keep people safe. I mean, mine's coffee, definitely. Yeah, that was what I missed most when I gave up coffee was but, the routine of coffee. Like, I would say that mine is like I've always had a nine to five job. I've always been quite lucky in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I think mine is as well is um, my weekends are are weirdly regimented in the yeah. sense of like what sort of time I get up and what sort of time I go to bed and then when like I break them it's like oh this is special because I'm doing yeah. a thing um, and that sounds probably people will be like oh that sounds horrendous and it's like no actually I quite like it like that like, I know that I'm going to get up on Saturday morning and do my chores yeah. like I know that I'm going to get them done and then I'm going to be like oh my house is clean and that's nice yeah. uh, I know that I'm probably going to have a meal that's a bit naughty to me on a Saturday and then I'm going to go to the gym in the afternoon and burn it off like yeah. it's kind of that stuff that makes you feel a bit sane because like it's my weekend this is what I'm doing Yeah. and I think everybody has those things so I think yeah, you've got to go through those things yeah. and you've got to break those I mean like right now so obviously if anyone listening you can hear music oh it's getting louder isn't it it's going to get louder throughout the night um, because it's freshers week mm. and I feel and I'll always give the people I live next door to that week <laughs> bless you um, because it's the first time they've lived without the, the boundary mm. yeah, yeah, yeah and it is that thing of you know you you 17, 18 you live at home with your parents you live under your parents rules mm. so it's the first week you're going to have in your entire life where none of that applies and there's no repercussion 
for what you do apart from what you damage yourself. Yeah. And you are going to damage yourself. I got glass on my feet the first yeah. week of uni. You know, you, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt somebody else. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going to happen in that. And you're just like, cool. You need that. You need mm. that learning experience. And I feel like you have to continue that. And I'm not saying, like, continue to hurt yourself throughout uni. But you need to push that boundary each time. Yeah, I think in a way it. it's like an elastic band, isn't it? You, yeah. know, you go, okay, so how much can I push this until it breaks? Right, okay, cool. Like, I, The worst I could get was this, so I'm never going to get that bad again. Or, yeah. like, the, even in a way the best. Like, oh, I, I did this, was the great thing, and I'm you know, probably maybe never going to get to that point again. Or that's, like, my ceiling in a way. Yeah. Like, And I think that's something that you learn definitely learn at uni because you're just like this constant like molding of this okay this is what i can and can't do i think it's the one benefit that's one thing i was saying you know i I wouldn't go back to uni it's the one thing i think that helped yeah me because there's some of my friends who didn't go to uni who do live this very kind of small town life and a small town head and this oh this is this and that's that and i think sometimes when you're go to when you go to uni your mind is sort of opened a little bit to other things yeah i feel like you you learn to fail yeah, and I feel like that's something which learn to fail, that's cut, yeah. everyone needs to do is learn to fail. Yeah, and that's what we don't necessarily teach people because you teach people how to succeed, and you teach people like the whole thing with like participation trophies. You're teaching people that anyone can be a winner, but you take away that aspect of what happens if you do fail, mm. and then people get hugely over the top about it because they've never learned to fail. Yeah, and it's like yeah, you you know you lose. And that's part of life. You get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. you do it again. Yeah, you lose again. Mean, and sure, if you lose all the time, then that's going to get to you. Yeah. But yeah, you, you know, you, everyone needs to learn to fail. But I think that contributes towards that depression feeling of yeah. like when you're complacent and you're not doing anything and then you think, oh God, I'm not doing anything, I'm a failure. That yeah. kind of goes, but then you're like, okay, that's, that's okay sometimes. It's like some days I go to the gym and I, I'm, I'm literally walking to the gym and I'm like, I don't want to be doing this. And then I think, right, okay, though, it, I would be a failure if I didn't get up at least to try. Like, yeah. I didn't get up and go, like, oh, I've got, to, I've got to get out of there and try. And then when you get to the gym, you're like, I can do better. And you think, like, oh, I can, I can, now you always push yourself. But I think you've got to have a mentality to be able to do that. Like, in the pool today, I didn't want to be there. But mm. I was just like, right, I will go. I've got to do it. Like, a bit like me doing your jogging and your legs being broken. <laughs> I have a very different attitude. See, I, I, when I run and I can't do it anymore, I keep going because I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no, I'm like no, halfway no, through no, and I'm like, feel. fuck you, Greg. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how I feel. I'm in the pool and I'm thinking, like, Oh, I've got so many events coming up. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I just, I got so many things that are going on. I've got so many things I want to look nice for, and so many things I want to like lose weight for. And I'm there in the gym, like in the pool. I'm literally like <gasps> bright red, sweaty, yeah. nice bright yellow swimming hat on for anyone that wants to visualize visualize it. And then I'm like, no, keep going. Like, it doesn't matter. You've been this before. You've been like, you can. You're not dead, are you? Like, you touch the bottom, so it's not gonna kill you. <laughs> like, I went so I went for a longer one today, and it was like three minutes which is the most I've run in, like, a continuous, like, set. And it's, like, sets of, of running. It is intervals, yeah. yeah. You're doing, like, I'm doing thing. couch to 5K, 5K yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, three minutes, and I was on the last three-minute run, and I was just like, this is fucking, I'm dying. Like, everything in me is dying. I was like, but I haven't fallen over yet. If I fall over, that's when I know I've gone too far. <laughs> so I'm a sucker for this. The best example of that I had. So I was like, right, I'm, before I'm turning 23, I'm going to yeah. do a 10K. Okay. Before I turn 23, I'm going to do a 10K. Got to okay. do a 10K. And... um. I've been training. Right. I've been practicing. Right. The year before, I'd done a 26-mile walk yeah. um, to raise money for breast cancer charities with my family. And I'd done the most preparation for that. I'd absolutely smashed that. I thought I was dying for a couple of days afterwards. But yeah. like, I, my mum my mom and my aunt, bless them, they were like, oh, I'll take you like nine hours to do it. It'll be a long time. 
we managed to like get it done in like seven hours 20 minutes which nice. they were like that's way better yeah. than we thought you'd do so when we did this run um, everyone in the office was like betting on I said it, I wanted them to because I wanted them to like raise money for me but they were like betting on times that were ridiculous like oh it's going to take you two hours to do a 10k like like, what? Oh, thanks guys. <laughs> Told you didn't train, but like, really? Like that's so. I have I hadn't before the day done a full ten k running. Okay. I hadn't got there. Yeah. I'd done seven k, and then just died. Yeah. Like absolutely flat out died. But I also struggled to do road running practice when I was like. Right, so I did yeah, a lot yeah. of it on treadmills. Yeah. Which I, my brother had done at the marathon. And he said you need to get out on the road. But I, every time I tried to get out on the road, I don't know whether it was just anxiety. I don't know what it was. Like, I just kept... I'd get, like, two minutes in and I knew I could run longer and I'd be like, no, I can't run anymore. Like, yeah. my legs... It was, like, it was like I'd seize and I could yeah, do yeah. it. On the day, Brett, my friend Chris, and my mum came and I ran the full 10K. And at 8K, I thought, I might die. Yeah. Like, I... I it was like um, Run Flat by Run. Have you seen yeah, Run Flat? Yeah, where he hits the wall. Right, it yeah. was exactly <laughs> like that. It was exactly like that. So... I saw the 8K sign. It was right by... It was in London. It was right by St. Paul's Cathedral. I saw it and I was like, right. And then my mum had said to me, oh, your brother might appear at some point on the course because he lived in London. And I rounded the corner and I was running and literally, like, I tripped. Yeah. Because races... This is another thing people don't tell you. Races are pretty aggressive. Yeah. Like, people push you out of the yeah, way yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. It wasn't, it was, a raise, again, raising money for charity, so yeah, I didn't yeah. think people would be so aggressive. People, like, pushing out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And, like, because I was so weak at this point, I was like, oh, this guy that pushed me, like, fell up a curb and I thought my leg was going to break. Yeah. And I didn't stop, but I, in a way, again, like, that run, fight, run, I did that, like, weird hop, yeah, like, yeah, run yeah. thing. Like, and I was like, okay, go, keep going. Keep going, can't walk. Can't walk, can't walk. And, and so at one point I sort of slowed to walk, but then my legs couldn't stop. Like, it was like I'd got that yeah, pace yeah. going. And then my brother was there. And I have to say, the one thing I'll say is that the power of encouragement. Oh, yeah. He, like, sort of walked on Sammy and was like, Charlotte, you're all right. Like, you're, I was bright red. I was, like, wheezing. And I was like, I think I'm dying, Ben. And he was like, and he'd done marathon. He was like, Charlotte, you can do it. Like, it's you, you're absolutely smashing it. You've got 2K left. Like, it's nothing. Like, yeah. compared to what you've just run, that's nothing. And, like, he followed me probably for the until the 9, 9K mark. And, um... Yeah, absolutely pushed me on, and I and I did the full the full ten, and yeah. I've never felt so good like yeah. doing it. But before then, practicing all this stuff, I just couldn't I couldn't get my head into yeah. it. But I think on the day I was like, "There's other people here. I can't embarrass myself. My family are watching. I can't do this to myself." And I think you put that all that pressure on yourself, yeah. and you're like, "I've got to do this." I always think um, that if you're gonna fail, you should fail spectacularly. Yeah, it's like you know I'm gonna be shit at this, and then, I, I mean I think I do that with everything, like mm. pull like arcade machines, literally anything. I'm like, I'm going to be crap at this. But if I'm going to be crap at this, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, I'm going to be good. <laughs> Someone's going to remember this as like the worst fuck up imaginable. Yeah. And I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> well, I nearly threw up at the, the finish line and my mom was like, Jesus, Jesus Christ, like, Charles, like, what, what the hell? And I was like, well, I ran, like, literally tried to sprint the last, like, 100 metres. Because I was like, I'm going to push just like, last 100 metres, just, just make it quicker. Just, just, like, just, 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 just end it, just end it up. And, like, I nearly threw up at the end. And I'm, it literally, I had a flashback at that moment where I'd run the 1500 metres at school. Yeah. And I did throw up at the end. Yeah. In front of my whole class. Oh, I could imagine. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then I just thought, but then I didn't throw up. And I did throw up when I was like 16 and I was meant to be incredibly much fitter then. Like when I was 16 running the 1500 meters. So actually I've just run 10k and I'm not thrown up. So done. Nailed done. it. Done. Nailed it. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of failure thing. I think I, I wanted to do it before I did it. And then you think like, I can't fail. I've got to keep pushing myself. I've got to keep pushing yeah. myself. 
And those people you saw dropping out left, right, and center, and I thought, no, it can't, that can't be Don't me. Be one of those can't people. be me. It yeah. can't be me. But yeah, I think that's a good message then. Though you got to yeah. learn to fail. You got to learn to fail. Yeah. You have to, because in all the times I've like again thrown up when I was sixteen, yeah. fallen off horses when I used to ride. You know, you get back up and you go, that that killed and that really hurt and that was horrible and embarrassing and stuff. And then you go, right, I'm going to not do that again. Yeah. And but people who never fail, people who are, oh, I need. To... You never learn. People who never fail kill themselves at 30. That's... <laughs> Great message to end on. People who never fail kill themselves at 30. And on that bombshell, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for coming, Sean. Bye. <laughs> I was going to say, what do I need to do?